Welcome to Adaptify. I'm Mike, I'm a paraplegic from New Zealand, and it's my mission to find the Adaptifiers of the world. People who have overcome challenges and found new, creative, interesting ways to be free despite needing to use a wheelchair for their mobility. Hey, what's up everyone? Thanks for tuning in. It's Mike here and the world is still in turmoil with COVID-19. We're still in lockdown here in New Zealand. Uh, but fortunately, with technology, we can reach out and we can chat with world-class athletes, adventurers, business people, lifestyle experts, uh, all wheelchair users from around the world. Today, we've got Alvin Ace from South Africa on the line. Uh, Alvin is a professional athlete. He trains at least 25 hours a week in the grueling discipline of Ironman. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, diving into Alvin's story, how he came through his injury, and how he's uh, able to be so fit and competitive in sports. Alvin, thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Mike. It's a big pleasure. Thanks. Yeah, so I've, you know, obviously I've seen you, uh, I've seen you on Instagram. I've seen how active you are and um, how much energy it appears you have. What was, uh, what was your life growing up like? And, um, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so growing up, uh, I come from a small town, grew up on a farm uh, close to the ocean. So, you know, activities involved, you know, swimming and jumping off cliffs and riding bikes, um, being very active in the outdoors, um, playing with mates, um, you know, I've, Everything that uh, growing up in a city is not, I would say. So, um, yeah, um, having an accident that, that, you know, puts you in a wheelchair is the exact opposite of what I was used to growing up. And I think that that personality and, and that, that spark that you have growing up, um, it doesn't change even if you are in a wheelchair or not. So um, that, that's definitely the strong points and the benefits that I had. Um, going into this injury, I hear I hear a dog in the background. We'll talk about your dogs a bit later. But um, what was your preconceived <laughs> ideas of uh, you know of of uh, life as a as a wheelchair user or life for someone as a, with a spinal cord injury? Yeah, interesting question. You know, I never actually knew how someone ended up in a wheelchair. You know, um, if you walk the streets and I see people in a wheelchair, it never crossed my mind. So what actually happened to them? Um, I would always think they're born that way. Um, I never, I never knew the the medical science behind it. Of it's a spinal cord injury, possibly. I know there's many other ways, but um, I never knew that is how you end up in a wheelchair. So when it happened to me, it was a quite a big shock for me because after the accident, I thought, okay, cool. So I'm gonna have an operation. They're gonna fuse my back, and. I'll start recovering and I'll be able to walk again. So it's a, it's a huge reality check when someone tells you, a doctor, a medical professional, um, that, look, we, we're going to operate, but it's just to stabilize your condition. It's not to make you walk again. Hmm. So, yeah, th that was a massive thing to deal with. Um, I think it would have been different if I actually understood, you know, uh, what the injury was about, how how you acquire a spinal cord injury, what the implications are. But, the education in the world is just it's not there that we don't we don't get to deal with these things and I, I think you've experienced the same people have so many questions 
of your injury and what happened and how does it happen and can't they do anything for you? Um, it just comes down to education, really. And yeah, I can just say that from my own experience. I've heard an injury, a spinal cord injury, described like an iceberg. You only see the tip of it, right? You only, you only, often you see the wheelchair mm-hmm. and the, the physical side, and you know there's a whole other gamut yeah. of uh, of issues that that, like you, I was totally not aware of. I imagined that it would yeah. be pure hell, and that life. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't be worth living, and then I just would rather someone roll mm-hmm. me off a mm-hmm. wharf. Did you ever have any thoughts like that? Absolutely, and um, I can completely agree. the The not walking part is is not the number one issue. Definitely not. Um, there's a lot of things you can still do in a wheelchair. It's the other things that come along with that. But yeah, so to me, absolutely, I went through a time where. Um, being physical and being, you know, outdoorsy and adventurous and all these things, when when the use of my legs got taken away, I thought, well, what the hell am I living for? I can't do any of these things anymore. It's how will I, you know, return to a normal life? And the the mental side of it is was just incredible. You know, getting over it. That how can I how can I still be myself in this wheelchair? So. Absolutely, you know, I thought of suicide, you know, very early on in my in my injury, and I thought this is not worth living. It's it's just not worth it. How is it any mercy or grace, you know, to still be alive? So, uh, talk us through your your accident. What um, what happened? So, it was a car accident back in 2014 where I was on my way to my girlfriend that I had at that time, and I just took my eyes for a second off the road. There was no other cars involved, nothing. And the the front wheel just caught the the bit of gravel along the side of the road. Mm. And I lost control and I fell out the window. And the next moment, I wake up probably about 20 minutes after that. I wake up, uh, my body in complete shock. And I just couldn't get up. I just feel a cold sensation all over my body. Literally feels like you're dying. And I just remember I couldn't get up. But I was in so much pain that I tried once to get up and I just felt okay these legs aren't moving um and i thought it was shock initially i just thought okay my body is in shock i hurt myself really bad just lie still and then i just blacked out again and the next moment i woke up in in hospital uh the same day i think it was about the night uh that it happened and yeah that's that's when you know the bad dream started um and i kept on thinking you know as i said earlier it's just going to be an operation and I'm going to be fixed or this is just a bad dream. You're going to wake up from this and everything's going to be fine. I'm going to be at home in my bed. Hmm. But yeah, I often describe it as, you know, for months it felt like a bad dream, but you never, you just never woke up from that dream. Hmm. Um, the first few months, phew, yeah, pure hell. I remember having just the most intense and terrible nightmares the first couple of nights that mm. I was in the hospital, you know, I was on these really serious pain medications that are making me hallucinate. And, and it was, mm. it was like something you'd see out of a horror movie. You know, I was, I was my inner, you know, demons were tormented. I was just like in complete turmoil. And, um, and I, mm. I, I couldn't make it stop. I didn't know how my mind just couldn't stop it. And it was, it was like, you know, I'd, I'd actually also, you know, in the past, I'd spent 
really, really terrible cold nights in the mountains, you know, out, you know, Mm. freezing cold and where time would just go so incredibly slowly and the morning just would never come. And it felt like that for me. Did you have, do you have moments like that? And and how did you get through that? Absolutely. Like I remember you you describe it as time was standing still. So I had the same experience where your mind is so active. You, you just, you keep on thinking and processing the whole time that there's never, you never get a break and that is extremely tiring. So you wake up early, uh, you don't sleep properly at night. Um, so the days and the hours and the minutes just tick on so slowly. Um, for me, how did I get through it? For me, well, I'm a very religious person. I'm a Christian and I was looking for answers, you know, from the morning to the Mm. night, um, looking for answers, you know, doing research about the injury. And I would say fortunately and unfortunately it happened over December holiday. So all the family was, was in the area from all over the country. Mm. And I was constantly surrounded by people. There were constantly people next to my bed, in my room, um, which, is, which is a good thing, I would say, because you have the comfort of people there and the love that you get. But it's also, you know, it was also a bit unfortunate because at some, at some time you just want to be alone. You just want to process this. You want to be alone. You want to get your thoughts, you know, aligned. Yeah, I remember after a few months in, in hospital, uh, some days I would just tell people, look, I just actually want to be alone today. There's nothing wrong. I'm feeling fine. Don't have to be worried. I just really want to be alone a bit. Um, I need to process, you know. So, yeah, for me it was it was a very long four months. And... After that, you get sent home, and my perception was, cool, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to get back to normal living. I'm going to reclaim my life, pick up where things left off. Um, And that's actually, you know, (laughs) that's actually where the fun started, because then you need to return to your own, you know, your own environment and your own house. And, um, yeah, you you never quite reach that normality again in your old setting, you know, what you used to. Mm-hmm. So hmm. then then the process almost, you know, repeats itself again. So what advice would you have for somebody that was making that transition back into their, you know, their, their previous house and their previous uh, society, you know, now that everything had changed, what what would be some advice you'd give them? So I know out of my experience, it was the the biggest downfall is is that you would sit still and do nothing. And I oftentimes see that people get injured and they can't get around the fact that they can actually still return to society. You can actually still return to your job in most cases or just have a, you know, a slight change of career. But the the most important thing is, you must you must keep on you must keep on going and don't don't sit at home don't ponder too much about the situation um, just keep on moving keep your brain and your body active and that that was you know probably the best medicine for me is trying to go back to work trying to do the things that I used to do and I discovered that you know you you can still do everything you can do all these things in the outdoors you just do it differently now so 
for me, it was a process of finding ways to do these things. And I, and I kind of enjoyed the, the process and the challenges of figuring it out. Mm-hmm. If I look at, you know, a few years ago when I got injured compared to now, the mindset, um, you know, that I've acquired is it's actually incredible. And that's, a, that's your superpower how you deal with these things and you learn so much in the process. But the bottom line is you have to try because people can support you. They can be there for you. They can love you, but they can't do it for you. You're going to have to get up out of bed and you're going to have to try. So that for me, that was the golden rule was just, just try, try before you, before you give up, before you made the decision that I can't do this. That's really interesting. I, I remember the first the first goal I set myself was to get back in the surf and I started researching, you know, adaptive surfboards and, you know, someone put me in contact with a guy in Australia, uh, Jesse Lehinson, and and he put me in contact with another guy in the States and I just started visualising how I was going to get back in the waves again. And the first time I tried, it was only a couple of weeks out after I got out of rehab and it was an awful experience. It was it was so um, I was still so full of grief. It was so hard and tiring. I I basically got rolled in the foamy on on the beach and rolled up like a bit of seaweed, and um, and a good buddy of mine had to <laughs> piggyback me up back up the back up the beach, and I was so distraught and. And, you know, but that was just the first step, you know, and, and then I, so I went back and I had to rethink how am I going to, how am I going to do this? You know, what other options do I have? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I'm going to need a to- totally different type of surfboard, um, you know, and so it was, it was like a puzzle. It was like a process and, and that, you know, that was painful. It yep. was, it wasn't easy, but it, it gave, gave me something to focus on. And, and uh, so yeah, I totally get what you're saying about uh, keeping on and, and just trying to, trying to do things in a, in a different way. Um, you know, of course, I was fortunate. I, uh, you know, the health system in New Zealand, um, you know, looked after me and I didn't suffer too much pain or spasm. You know, I was still dealing with all the bowel and bladder issues and and those things. But, you know, for people that are out there that aren't so fortunate and they, they are suffering with, you know, severe pain issues particularly, you know, uh, what, what would you say in that case? Uh, pardon, just, just clarify the question exactly. What so, do you mean? So for people that are, you know, that experience severe pain, for example, or, you know, they, they really are struggling with, um, you know, with their physical state, um, do you have any advice for, for them if they're in this place where they feel like they can't progress, they can't go back to work or they can't try these things because, their, um, you know, their, their physical state won't allow it. Whether that's um, psychological or is, is actually the case, mm. what what advice would you have? Yeah, um, sure. That's a difficult one because I I never I was never in pain. You know, I never had nerve pain and that kind of stuff. But I think we all you know deal with as you say the bladder and bowel issues and the odd pain here and there, but. Everyone's different, aren't they? I'm I'm pretty sure. Yeah, absolutely. No no injury is the same. And that's also what makes it so difficult, you know, for, for medical research and all that is such a complex injury. It is, it is so complex. I'm pretty sure it doesn't matter what state you're in or how much pain you have or what, whatever you are going through, there, there will always be a way 
to figure it out. There's always a way to go around it. As you say, it's a puzzle, and that's the same way that I experience it. Till even till this day, even you know what I do today, there are challenges. Might be different than yours, definitely, um, but there are ways of figuring it out. It just takes, you know, the create creativity and how do you how do you say it? Not the motivation, but um, you know that mental fortitude to just get through it. Um, it is a difficult thing. I, I don't understand pain because I don't have any pain. Um, and I know it can be a very, you know, debilitating thing. People that are in pain, it's, it just takes your focus completely off. Mm. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people say that, uh, I guess one of the, uh, one of the, the ways to manage pain is to, to keep your mind active. And I've, I, I know some, uh, mouth painters that suffer severe pain, but when they're mouth painting, the pain disappears. And, uh, I think just just like that analogy of of a jigsaw puzzle, uh, you can apply that uh, to anything, whether that be you know pain. So you can you can research uh, what are what are some ways to uh, cure pain. And much like when I was surfing, I discovered that you know several things didn't work. So you you just have to go through this sort of almost a systematic process of discovering what does work for yeah. you and what doesn't. And not to get too despondent if you don't figure it out first time or second time or third time or even after two years, you just got to, you know, keep going mm. and, um, you know, you can tap into a community like ours to find new ways of trying things, um, you know, so you can apply that same rationale to, to any challenge that you're facing, whether or not you've got a disability mm. or not. Um, it's, it, yeah, it's a matter of kind of looking at it Looking at it almost like a detective, and um, and and going through it in a, in yeah. a sort of a, a logical a logical way. Um, at least that that's how my yeah. mind's wired, and and it's sort of served me well um, over the years. Tell us about um, disability in South Africa. What's what is um, what what is, what is that? What is this health system like there? What um, what support do you receive? Yeah, yeah, Mike. That that's a very it's a very challenging area in our country. It's a third world country. So uh, the support we get is is very minimal in that sense. Um, even with equipment, you know, you can, the healthcare is fine in terms of hospitals and rehabilitation. The problem is the care at home. That is the, that's the challenge, you know, getting a wheelchair that's actually sufficient for you to, to do life in. And I think, um, yeah, people think yeah, it's just a wheelchair, but there's so many different wheelchairs, and it's it's almost like a shoe; it has to fit, and they're very expensive as well. So, getting the right wheelchair is quite a problem, and then also the care at home. The problem mm. is with with a majority of people that get injured in our country is they return home and they can't adapt um, to keep on doing what they did, especially if it was a, a job or a profession which was physically demanding. Yeah, and unfortunately in our country, a lot of labor is, you know, physical. So they can't return to work in a physical sense. So if they've been used to working in that way all their life and now they must switch over to maybe a more administrative um, career, it's a difficult shift to make. So, yeah, in terms of healthcare, it's it's a real challenge. Even mm. I'm privileged enough, you know, I had a job, I still have a job. These things are expensive. It's, you know, being disabled is, yeah, it's, it's extremely expensive. So if you don't get the support of your government and the health system, 
just, you know, adds up. I hear this time and time again. Man, it'd be so great to uh, try and solve that. <laughs> That's a huge, huge issue. Mm. And uh, I, I heard, um, yeah. I've heard a lack of access to resources is, is disabling. You know, that is the, the, basically a disability is simply a lack of access to resources. And if you don't have the right wheelchair or the right uh, support at home, then that's incredibly uh, disabling. Yeah. So um, you've, um, you've, you've taken um, some engineering under your, uh, under your belt and, and made some, some equipment, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, sporting equipment and, you know, at home stuff. So I enjoy working with my hands and um, I do have a little bit of an engineering background as well. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's just a passion and a hobby of me as well. Uh, it's nice you're able to, uh, you know, use your hands to, to do that. Um, what, what does a typical day look mm-hmm. like uh, for you? And, um, you know, what, do you have any sort of routines that um, that work well for you? Yeah, so um, I'm a full-time athlete, um, so my day consists mostly of training, probably between three to f- and five hours of training each day. So routine-wise, I like to get up early, get an early start, work in a session. Um, it always helps me to clear my mind, start the day right. After first session, have a nice big breakfast, maybe relax a little bit. I enjoy reading, listening stuff, um, making content. That's also a big part of my my job and what I do. And, yeah, then there's usually another session or two left of the day. Um, I try always my best not to to finish too late um, with my sessions and my work. Um, I found that, you know, it affects my my sleeping a lot if you if you train you know late in the evening if you say hmm. you finish at 9 p.m then i struggle i struggle to get in bed then you know by 10 then my body is still awake my mind is still racing um so i try and finish everything before seven and try and get it early in bed no pressure and something that i've definitely learned over the years is that life in a wheelchair everything takes you a little bit longer so you have to take those things into account. I've been five years in a wheelchair and I think I'm still not used to that completely. I'm still used to how I used to do things and oftentimes I would plan too many things in one day, like too many uh, meetings or training stuff or content-related stuff and I just don't get to everything and that kind of makes you stressed out. So, yeah, I'd rather have a better <laughs> – a better average over the year than be extremely busy for a day or two and then, you know, be burnt out, you know, by the weekend. So mm. that's that's an average day for me and how I like to plan my days and my weeks. I like it. It's a, it's a good philosophy. I, I need to take that on board. I, I pack in... I uh, pack in way too much into my days. And uh, <laughs> anyway... Yeah, it's, it's just not effective really, eh? Yeah, this this uh, this lockdown has um, has in in some ways uh, forced me to stop my day early and and uh, direct my attention to my family. That um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a nice mm. thing. Um, so tell me, uh, Alvain, you were always an athlete. You you played um, uh, you played rugby. Was it uh, 
professional rugby or or semi-professional rugby. When did you decide that you were going to, um, you know, be be an athlete? And, and tell us a little bit about, um, you know, I know you've done an Ironman and you do a lot of hand cycling and swimming. Um, when when did you decide to dedicate your your um, life as a wheelchair user as an athlete? Yeah, so um, I used to play semi-professional rugby for one of well the biggest club in in South Africa is a university club so I used to play there for four years and I played a bit of provincial rugby as well before that for junior teams uh, for the Sharks and um, yeah so I've always loved sport it's always been a part of me you know being active and after my injury I just got into training and sport as as a way to keep fit uh, keep myself busy um yeah, but I soon dis- I soon discovered that in South Africa and I think the world as well, uh, the pool is a lot smaller for disabled athletes, and um, you know I, I saw kind of the opportunity to to make the best of it. That I've always loved sport, I've always been been good in sport, so that won't change once you acquire an injury. Um, yes, you can't use your legs, but you, you're still the same person. If, you, if you've loved sport before your accident, you're still going to love sport. That doesn't change. Yes, you can't use your legs, but you know your athletic ability is still the same. So once I got into sport again, I really started enjoying it. And the freedom that I had of sport was, was just incredible because to me it was when, when I get in a cycle or a rowing boat or a racing wheelchair or I go swimming – that's the only time that I'm not in my wheelchair, and that was very freeing for me. Hmm. So it was, it it was almost like therapy for me, and um, I made the decision to go full time into sport. Obviously, after a few years, I realized, well, look, there's actually a career that I can make in it, um, which is, I would say, it is very competitive. You know, disabled sport is by no means not competitive, but it is less competitive in terms of numbers of participation um, compared to able-bodied sport. Um, mm. And I just really enjoy it. I just really love training. I really enjoy sport. Um, as I say, it's it's a therapeutic, um, you know, event for me. So I just love it. I do it every day, a few times a day. And I think it's, it's kind of what saved me through my injury. Mm. I never really. I did the New York Marathon in a pusher and wheelchair, and I. I never. Re- I must admit, I. I never really enjoyed it. I. Um, I. You know, I used to. I used to do a lot of physical sport, um, and I enjoyed that physical grind. But I. I. I never made it through that sort of pain barrier and the 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 feeling of, I guess not not being able to go as fast as I used to. Um, and um, mm. so I just kind of I just put that on hold. I've, in fact, I'm I'm really sedative um, in terms of my heart rate. I, I I so need to get something going that uh, so I can get my heart rate going again. Mm. Um, I, f- I find that in, you know incredibly difficult. Um, what uh, you know? Do you have anything that um, that you'd recommend for for somebody as a wheelchair user to, to get their heart rate up and that? They don't necessarily enjoy that um, that really intense pain of using their arms physically, but still a way of getting some exercise. Yeah, it's it's quite a tricky question because at some point it is going to hurt. Um, that is training, 
but <laughs> you just at some point you, it is going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it is. I know. I know. I can hear what you're thinking. You're saying just just harden up, Mike. You know, just just <laughs> just suck it up, buddy. Um, <laughs> but um, no, but, but there, there there is well to me. You must remember that physical exercise is going to make your life easier. Your transfers are going to be easier. Uh, you're going to feel better. You're going to sleep better. Um, blood circulation is better. You know, the mental benefits mm. is is amazing. So I think once you realize that and you buy into that, then you're going to start enjoying it. And to me, I like seeing the progress. Um, I like figuring it out. I like getting better. I like, you know, being the best that I could be in my current state. So I just, I just really enjoy that. But um, it doesn't have to be extremely painful, extremely intense. You can do physical exercise to a point where you just enjoy it. I think we all have a different understanding of what is fun. You know, some people just like to hurt themselves, um, like most athletes. <laughs> but um, that it, it doesn't have to be, you know, your way of exercising and your way of doing things. You, you decide that. I think that's the beauty of it. You decide the intensity. You decide what you want to do. And that can be anything from pushing in your in your day chair around the block, um, you mm. know, walking the dog, that kind of stuff. Um, I just love getting outside and, you know, experiencing the fresh air and enjoying the sun. Um, South Africa has an amazing summer. So, yeah, to me, that's that's what I enjoy. I like that, man. Thank you. That's um, that's something I, I kind of needed to hear. I I always used exercise as a way of um, of stress relief, and I'd quite often go out and just punish myself, you know, until it, you know, I basically use it to as a as a mechanism to sort of de-stress and to and to vent. Yeah. But it's it's good that you say that it doesn't have to be that way. It can be whatever you choose it to be. And um, I know a lot of people mm -hmm. play wheelchair tennis and wheelchair basketball and they, they get a, a, a real good sense of community and, um, and also exercise from, from that. And, you know, they go as hard as they, as they want. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty good. I think, uh, you know, trying lots of different things to see what fits with you is, uh, is probably a good advice as well. Yeah. I definitely did that before I ended up with, with doing an Ironman um, and triathlons is I tried everything, you know, rowing, uh, the seated track events, uh, wheelchair racing on its own. So there's so many things you can do. There's honestly, there's so many to choose from. And I truly believe there is something for everyone. And just to hop back on that, you know, if you, if you take adaptive surfing, that looks amazing. I mean, you know, being out in the ocean, the waves, hmm. I think that that must be incredible. Yeah, that, that is really good. I think the thing that I came to realize is you, and you, you touched on it before around how, how much time it takes. I discovered that hmm. adaptive surfing just takes up so much of my time. And I, in the hmm. end, I, I, I couldn't at this stage of my life dedicate that much time to it. Um, I went out actually the, yeah. the other day and I hadn't been out for about 18 months, a long time, but I was craving it. I'd been in the States and I'd been driving on freeways for three weeks and I was just craving just being in the sea again. And um, and I got um, I ended up getting rescued because I 
Uh, yeah, it was quite a big swell, and that was fine. But what the problem was was the the winds was really strong offshore, and um, and mm. at my local surf break, there's a big rip uh, that goes out along these rocks and and takes you out. And the only way to sort of get out of that rip is to go side on to the rip, and and but of course side on to the wind. And I just kept getting blown off my wave ski because the wind was just so strong mm. and and I just kept getting further and further out and I was I was getting tighter and tighter <laughs> and um and yeah. I wasn't I was panicking but I was just going oh man this is I'm I might not be able to get back in um and uh mm. Mm. Anyway, I, I was you know my heart rate was going and I was, I was definitely getting a full physical workout and uh the surf lifesavers yeah. they they were totally onto it, and they were pulling lots of people in, and and, um, and uh, they came and mm. said, oh, "Do you want to do you want to lift in?" And at first, I said, "No, nah, no, nah, I'll be right." And so they went, "Okay, well, we'll just keep an eye on you." And then they came back about fifteen minutes later, and at that point, I said, "Yep, <laughs> give me a lift in. That'd be great." Yes. Yeah. And um, but Let's I got get out of here. I got I washed up. You know, I was on the beach, and I and I just I just had this sense of like complete satisfaction you know i totally exhausted myself and <laughs> those you know for those uh you know would have been an hour and a half while i was out there i wasn't thinking about anything else <laughs> well i was kind of thinking about trying to survive but aside from that uh, it was a, it was a really it was a really good feeling um so I, i'm right yeah. with you when you when you say that exercise is a, is a good thing mm, yeah mm. what uh what what's a what's a a resource uh, or, or a mentor or somebody that uh, that helped you um, on your journey. Yeah, I think I'm fortunate to to be friends with um, Adams van Dijk. So he's a world champion hand cyclist, and I think he's a ten time Boston Marathon winner, hmm. uh, wheelchair racer. Hmm. So he's incredibly knowledgeable, you know, about sport and has the the right business and contacts to to get the equipment mm. um and to have someone like that which you have access to is extremely valuable which i'm incredibly grateful for uh for helping me along my journey and getting you know the right tools and stuff and yeah there are there are so many other people that also you know played a role in in my journey yeah oh, so many people that are I can't even name them all, um, disabled and not disabled, people from not just, you know, South Africa. Social media has made it possible to talk with anyone over the world, which is actually incredible. I think the, the disabled community is also very supportive. You know, you can message anyone really, you know, a world champion cyclist, and mm. I'm pretty sure that he's going to reply to you and, you know, give advice and, you know, help out where they can because – we all know what it took to, to get to that point. We all know how it felt starting out, the lack of knowledge and, you know, not knowing, you know, where to get this stuff or how to do it. So they can sympathize with that. They can understand that. Yeah, totally. The access to yeah, the access to people is, is quite incredible. Um, and mm. I guess my advice is if uh, – someone uh, doesn't answer and you know doesn't get back to you just uh, you know find find the next person because mm. there'll be someone that will um, yeah. you know that will that will give you some support and some advice what yeah. what frustrates you these days is there, is there something in particular that frustrates you and and what do you do to um, to sort of calm that frustration down 
Mm, not really, eh, to be honest. Um, I'm a very patient person, so I don't, I don't really have any frustrations. Um, I would say what, what was a bit annoying in the past was, was spasms. Um, it's, it's something you can't control and you can easily hurt yourself or maybe you're in a rush and, you know, or you're busy getting dressed and you want to finish up quickly and then, you know, spasms, spasms can be a bit annoying at sometimes. But, yeah, of all things, that's probably the only thing that I can think of. Yeah, so how, would you just say to yourself, oh, it'll pass or, you know, what, what, what helps you um, overcome those, uh, you know, those spasms? Well, so for me, and I think it's for any, you know, something that's out of your control, really, I can say, getting angry at it is is not going to make it better at all. So I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to bitter my own heart with <laughs> with getting angry at a spasm. I mean, it's my own body. I'm not going to get angry at my own body. So yeah, it's just honestly just realize that getting angry or reacting to it a frustration is is not going to make it better. I would say, oh, uh, how do you say it? Your reaction to it is more important than the physical problem itself. Mm. There's some wise words indeed. Uh, I've got this image of you, uh, you know, swimming and, and uh, preparing to go swimming. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you wear when you swim and, and um, what, what works well for you while you're swimming? Yeah, so that was all, that was also a major learning curve trying to figure out what exactly works for me and everyone is different. So I asked a lot of people that are swimmers, disabled swimmers, and the advice that they gave is, is solid advice, but I soon discovered that you're going to have to figure it out for your own. So I've helped many people learn to swim um, in my position and all I could only tell them is my experience of it, what I tried, what worked, what didn't work. Um, so hopefully they can save some time on it. But I ended up, um, which is the most effective for me, is I swim with a full wetsuit every time um, because that is also how I compete, is a full wetsuit or a sleeveless wetsuit. That is how I compete, so that's how I train as well. It is. It takes time to, to put a wetsuit on every time, but you're going to have to make peace with it. it, it it's a sacrifice that I have to make. So what was um, your so rationale? A full wetsuit. Why did you decide to, to um, use, a, use a full wetsuit? Well, just because of the buoyancy, really. Mm. Um, that's that's the only reason is the buoyancy. So, if if you swim as a you know as a as a wheelchair user, my my biggest problems were one, your legs sink; two, they they're all over the place because as you move your torso, you you can't you don't have the core strength to keep your legs straight. So, one is a wetsuit for buoyancy, and number two is I tie my legs together. Um, you can even use a splint just to, to keep your legs straight. But, you know, orthotus is going to have to make that for you. Mm-hmm. But that's something more advanced if you're more, you know, swimming competitions or that kind of stuff or long distance. But I would say tying up your legs together is is definitely the quickest and easiest way to, to have more control over them. And, um, and buoyancy, getting a wetsuit or putting a pool buoy between your legs. Um, tying it in there so once you have that then you float then it's quite easy then you just need to to learn to use your arms and propel you through the water 
How do you how do you actually physically tie your legs together? Is it some sort of uh, quick release strap, or is it you know what works for you? So I have a elastic band that I put a put uh, over them. It's the elastic works for me because it gives you some you know some uh, play. So your your legs can they can move a little bit, but not too much. Because mm. if it's too rigid, then it also doesn't work. Then your feet are touching the whole time. They can start scraping against each other, which can form some pressure points. Um, so, yeah, you have to look at all these things, how your body and, – and that's the thing. Everyone's body is different. Your your knee formation might be a little bit different. So, elastic band above my knees work for me, but you might want to strap yourself at the ankles. Um you're going to have to see what works for you, what feels most comfortable in the water. Mm. So getting into that wetsuit, do you just use plastic bags to slip through just like a, you know you normally would or is it a wetsuit with zips or like how does it work for you? No, I don't do the plastic bags at all. I just get into the wetsuit. Um, I, I don't find it that difficult to actually just pull on. But what I would recommend is put it on at home because when you're on a bed, and you have the space to lean back mm-hmm. on your back or on your stomach, you know, and pull up the wetsuit um, gives you a lot more leverage. Um, I have put it on before, like uh, in a locker room or, you know, on the floor or on the grass. And to be honest, that's that's the most difficult thing for me. Um, I would just put it on at home. That's normally what I do. I put it on at home where I'm comfortable, where I can do it. And then I drive in my wetsuit to wherever I need to swim. Um, gotcha. That works for me. It's the quickest way. The pool isn't very far from my house, so that that works for me. It does. It might look a little bit odd if you're driving around in your wetsuit, but um, <laughs> it works for me. Yeah, nice. I actually built a a, a change table in in uh, our garage uh, early on, so that I mm-hmm. could get in and out of my wetsuit. Uh, there and because um, I found the same thing. Yep. Um, but yeah, over the, over the years, I guess I I figured if I was going to go, uh, you know, I had to drive two hours to go to the surf. Then um, that didn't make mm. sense. So um, I would flop around on the grass or whatever. But um, I actually had a wetsuit made with some zips mm. that went up to my knees, so it was a lot easier to get into. Um, and mm. uh, I found that pretty good. Um, but that was a custom made wetsuit, and you know that's. It's not accessible to everybody. Mm. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm curious, uh, you know, an uh, Ironman, that, that seems incredibly um, uh, like an incredible achievement. What's um, – tell us about those individual um, stages of the Ironman and, and what you, um, you know, what you learned and what, what you can share about those, um, those stages. Yeah, so – yeah, it it is an incredible experience, and it's it's really amazing doing an Ironman and doing it with able-bodied athletes. It's yeah, it's something to experience. But the process of getting there, putting in the training, sure, it's 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 a long journey. You know, learning to swim again um, was probably yeah, I would say the biggest the biggest thing for me. Took the most time, a lot of dedication. It's it's definitely not easy getting to that point, but um, once you got it all figured out, you you got your swimming down. You know, 
your wetsuit works, you can strap your legs, and you know what works for you, that's when you can actually put in the work and swim five times a week effectively without getting annoyed with the process. All I can say is it it takes a lot of time to put it in. Um, The hand cycling, the training, the wheelchair racing, the swimming. um, Because you do everything with your upper body, um, I, yeah, at, at, at the weeks that I train the most, it's probably around 25 hours of training per week where an able-bodied athlete can get the same results with only 15 hours of training a week. Mm. Um, that's what I've experienced because I train with, with my mates and people that I know, um, able-bodied, and they don't put in all the hours that I do, but yeah, the legs are, you know, it's a more powerful muscle than the arms. So hmm. I think they we, we have to put in a lot of work. It takes a lot of dedication. But I think that the satisfaction is is so much greater. Um, doing an Ironman on your arms is it's just incredible to see what the human body is capable of. That is that, that is the most mind blowing thing for me ever. To hmm. to think if you if you think about it, that you can compete with your arms in a, in a race where everyone uses their whole body. And you are quicker in, in some disciplines than, than they are. It's actually incredible. Um, mm. It's so satisfying. It's, it makes everything worthwhile. All the work that you put in makes it worthwhile, especially after you've been through the experience of getting injured of, and being in a wheelchair. And now you're able to do an Ironman. So mentally, that is some major, major gains that you have right there. Um, you know, you're overcoming your disability tenfold right there at that moment. Man, it's so incredible. How do you how do you stack up in the field um, with with the able-bodied folk? So, in an Ironman, I know in South Africa, and I believe it is the same um, internationally, the rules. But you have to start dead last. Um, the last person to start your swim and I must say, in the beginning, it wasn't it wasn't that great, but it's actually cool because now you get the opportunity. Because if you're a good swimmer, you're going to keep on passing the the slowest swimmers. So mentally, <laughs> that that is a quite a good feeling. Mm. Um, yeah, the the swim is pretty on par, I would say. Um, you get we can swim just as well as an able-bodied athlete can swim. Mm. Um, if wow. you compare averages now. Mm. And the cycling is not too far behind, to be honest. Um, a hand cycle has the advantage of aerodynamics and, um, you know, being low to the ground and the weight. Yes, the hills are slow, but the mm. downhills and the flats, the downhills are faster and the flats is about just as fast. So it evens out and a hand cycle, yeah, there's no inferiority right there, I would say. And when it comes to the running, whatever time you lost, you make up in the run. Um, wheelchair racing is much faster than, than any person can run. Mm. Um, to give you an idea, we do a marathon under two hours, and the world record for a marathon is two hours. Mm. So wow. the longer it is, the better um, for a wheelchair racer. For a full Ironman, that is where you make up your time, even if you've lost – sometime in the swim or the bike you make it up on the run so if you that's the interesting thing about an ironman so it evens out so if you look at how you measure up with a field 
yeah, the guys that are, you know, world champions, that kind of stuff in the wheelchair class. I mean, it's, it's, it's within minutes of what the pros finish in. So that, so that cool. is just mind boggling. It's incredible. Wow. Are there many wheelchair athletes doing Ironmans? In South Africa, no. It is just myself um, that does it as a paraplegic. Um, in the world scene, yes, there are quite a few, but not that many. Um, it's I would say it's probably one of the most difficult sports to do because of, well, clearly all the challenges, you know, learning to swim and the effort that it takes, the time that it takes. So the field is quite small, but the people that do it, yeah, they, they know what they're doing. It's, it's, it's extremely good athletes. I think what is, what is a bit more popular is, is paratriathlon, the sprinting distance. So mm. it's just the short course racing. I do the long course racing, the Ironman distance. But um, the short courses are, are very popular because um, that's what you'll do if you want to go to Paralympics is the short course. And so do you have your sights set on that? Are, are you um, lining up for the Paralympics when, when they finally finally take place again next year with any luck? Um, next year, no, definitely not next year. Um, I'm not setting my, my focus on that. Um, at the moment, it's just focusing on Ironman um, and the World Championships coming up. But I, I would like to do a Paralympics. Um, I would like to go to a Paralympics and experience that. There's nothing like it. Um, but yeah, I'd, I haven't fixed my mind on that yet. Well, it seems to me that um, if you decided to go for it, you would, uh, you know, you'd have a, a great chance of success there. And um, yeah, clearly you can put your mind to things like this. And um, anyone that can swim five days a week, put 25 hours of training into hard physical work can, um, can certainly more or less do anything mm. they put their mind to. It's a real, um, that, must yeah. be, that must be really, um, Thanks, really, Mike. really such a good thing to know. Um, you know, that you could more or less turn your mind to anything you want and, and succeed. What uh, what does the future hold for, for you? What what are some uh, something that um, you've got your sights set on? Yeah, well, for me in terms of my career in sport is definitely going for a world championship in Ironman or half Ironman distance. Um, that is, yeah, one of the biggest goals that I want to achieve and also, yeah, I've, I've got a big love for content creation and that kind of stuff and, and writing as well. So I would, I would love to write a book one day, you know, just taking into account everything that happened, you know, the accident and rising above, you know, from that. I think our interest is very much the same if you look at this podcast, you know, inspiring people, changing lives, sharing stories, um, yeah, it's a big passion of mine. So writing a book, going for Ironman World Champion. And um, as I said, I love content creation. Uh, YouTube is, is a big love of mine. So growing that into a sustainable you know, career as well. And um, yeah, from there, sure, you know, wherever life takes you. Tell us a little bit about the YouTube channel. What... Um how would you describe that? Um, for me, I just like documenting what I love and what I do. So 
it's a focus on triathlon, but also on disability. You know, we get a lot of questions. How does your house look? How do you get upstairs in a wheelchair? How do you do transfers? So I like sharing that kind of stuff as well. So it has to do with, yes, Ironman, training, sport, but also the disability side of things. And not just for people that are in wheelchairs, but also people that, uh, you know, know someone that's in a wheelchair or, you know, relatives or siblings or whatever. They also have a lot of questions sometimes. So it's, it's, it's a lot about education and, you know, motivation. That's so good uh, to be able to pass that forward and, and share the knowledge that, uh, that you've gained. Tell us, uh, tell our listeners, mm. where, where can they find out more about you and, and find your content? Yeah, so the two biggest platforms that I love to use is Instagram and YouTube. Um, YouTube is more the long-form videos. Instagram is more, I would say, the day-to-day stuff. Um, the I, I like to use the platform as almost like a vlogging platform, meaning if you if I travel or if I have races or updates and stuff, I do that on Instagram. And the more you know, life long-form videos is YouTube. And it's also, yeah, the handles are just Olven Ace. You can just search that in YouTube and Instagram. You'll find it. I'll, uh, I'll link them to this podcast uh, episode on our website so uh, so you can check that out. Awesome. For sure. Uh, yep. Alvain, it's been amazing chatting with you. Um, I hope you make it down to New Zealand someday. Um, I'd love to, love to catch up with you. And uh, South Africa is certainly on the bucket list of a travel destination for us when this uh, coronavirus awesome. craziness uh, subsides and we're able to travel freely <laughs> once once more. It'd be nice to uh, connect yeah. with you when I'm uh, when I when I finally make it there. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us, mate. I've uh, really enjoyed uh, chatting with you, and best of luck with uh, training and uh, world champs. All right, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and meeting today's Adaptifier. To learn more about Adaptify and the products we have in development products that will increase freedom for wheelchair users go to adaptdefy.com that's a-d-a-p-t-d-e-f-y.com we're also on all the major social media platforms at adaptify follow us there for more behind the scenes looks and more up-to-date information on product releases hope you enjoyed this podcast look forward to catching you next time